Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. Today in our series on feet, we're going to talk about step five. And this is a series about steps and our feet take us places. The ultimate place that you and I want to go as Christians is we want to come to the place where we have a first-hand relationship with God, as opposed to secondhand. You know, secondhand is when all we know about God is from what other people say, but we never experience it ourselves. And that's the ultimate place we want to come to. Everyone in this room, you have a best friend. I want you to think about your best friend and think about the relationship you have with them. And then I want you to realize that you can have that type of relationship with God, the creator of the universe. It'd be, it will be a little different because you can't see him with these eyes or hear him with these ears. But you can become friends and close to God just like you can with your best friend. And this series is designed to bring you to that incredible place in your walk. So today, step five, I titled it Happy Feet. And you'll understand why I titled it Happy Feet in just a moment as we continue. But I remember when I was in Bible school, uh, my brother Tony and I went together. We roomed together on campus. And... um, before school ever started, he saw his current wife. Her name's Patsy. And he, he saw her the first time, and he told me, Joe, I'm going to marry that girl. And uh, I said, Tony, she's an instructor. Now, Tony was 26. We waited a while. We accepted Christ and didn't go to Bible school right out of high school. And uh, I said, Tony, she's an instructor. She's not going to date a student. He says, Joe, I'm going to date her. And uh, he, he met her, just walked up to her, and invited her to our apartment for dinner. And he told me, Joe, you're going to cook her an Italian dinner. I told her, you're going to make her this incredible Italian dinner. So uh, thankfully, I could cook. I made my mom's homemade sauce. I made homemade meatballs, my mom's recipe. Uh, I made sausage. I bought chicken, cooked it like my mom, made some incredible garlic bread. And so Patsy comes over. We go through the night, and she looks at Tony at the end of the night and says, I'm not interested. And uh, then she looked at me and gave me a thumbs up for the food. So (laughs) I had affirmation. Tony was really bummed. But Tony just kept pursuing her, and I'd say, boy, where's your pride? Have some man pride. Don't pursue her. She said, no, leave it alone. Find somebody else. And, uh, and he said, no, Joe, she's for me. And eventually she began to date him, and they're dating. And once they began to date, I got tired of hearing about Patsy. I, I could tell Tony it's a clear day, the sky's blue, and he'd look Patsy loves blue. That's her favorite color. And all he talked about was Patsy, Patsy. And I told him, Tony, I can't take it anymore. And uh, then they broke up. And when they broke up, Tony would lay on the, his bed on his back and he'd stare at the ceiling. And then he'd look at Patsy's picture. And then he'd tell me stories about Patsy this and Patsy that. And I said, Tony, I can't take it. I, I, Patsy's a great instructor, but you're making me hate her. You've got to just stop talking about Patsy all the time. Joe, you don't understand. Joe, you don't understand. I said, Tony, come on, cut it out. Be a man. You know, like in The Godfather, be a man. Uh, have some pride, Tony. Go after someone else. She's not interested. And, and then I met Gina, and uh, I had never fallen in love before, and I, I met Gina, and I fell in love head over heels for, for Gina, and so now I'm the one, because Tony's been dating Patsy now for a year, and that relationship matured. You know how when it matures, you, you learn when to talk about the person and when not to? You still love them, but you, you learn how to, you know, control yourself uh, with, with, with your words, and, and so uh, now I have what Tony had, and I'm talking about Gina, Gina this and Gina that, and he's telling me to shut up, and he's telling me I'm sick of this, and then Gina broke up with me, and uh, we were broke up for just a week. I didn't know when we broke up how long it would be. Now I'm laying on my back on the bed 
and I'm depressed, and, and I'm staring at her picture, and I'm telling Tony how much I miss her, and then he just starts laughing at me and making fun of me. He said, Joe, I told you. He goes, you didn't understand. You, 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 know, you told me to shut up. Now you understand. And I said, Tony, have some mercy. I've never loved anyone. Now I understand what this is all about. And he didn't have mercy. Brothers don't have mercy on each other. That's first love. That's what first love is like. And I remember years before that, I met Jesus at 19. And it was very similar. When I first met Jesus, Everybody I knew I told about Jesus, no matter where I was. The guys I got high with and drank with and got drunk with, I, I, I told everyone about Jesus. I said, you got to come to church with me. Jesus this, Jesus that. And they all walked away from me. They couldn't take me. And so, uh, and, and you know, I've gained wisdom over time, but uh, you know what else happened? I couldn't wait to get into the church doors. I just couldn't wait to be in church. And I was in church every time the doors opened. And then I would read my Bible. Every chance I had, I'd open that Bible and I'd read it. And I just wanted to read and and learn about Jesus and understand Jesus, that's first love. And godliness, which is step five, is all about keeping that flame going in our life. And it does mature. You do learn, you know, to control it, and you're not as outward telling everybody about it, but God wants it to stay there. And I thought I'd give you what I call five signs of first love. So let's just go through these, um, just, just so you recognize them. And we're looking at them spiritually, but this also is going to help our relationships, our marriages uh, today. Number one, you are consumed with them. And, and you want to ask yourself the question, are you consumed with Jesus? Now, in 1987, I went on my first ever missionary trip. I went to Germany, Austria, and hungry. I went with a group of older pastors, and they all had their wives. Now, Joe Jr. was just ready to turn um, a year old, so Gina was home with him. She couldn't come. She had that big video camera, you know, the home, home cameras back then, in case he walked when I wasn't there, and her and I prayed that he wouldn't walk until I got back. So I'm in Europe, and I'm seeing these incredible sights. Remember, I've never been out of the country. I don't, I've only been to Ohio and California, and that was it. I've never been anywhere else. And, and uh, so here I am, and, and uh, we're standing on this bridge in Austria, and one of the ladies said, this is from the scene in The Sound of Music, and this is right where they were standing. And here's all I could say is, I wish Gina were here. That's all I could say. And then there's these houses in a mountain. Uh, half of them are in the mountain, half are out. And they said, that's where Mozart was born. I'm like, I wish Gina were here. And then we're in a bakery. We're in this bakery, and I had never had European coffee, so I'm like, whoa, this is incredible. And then European pastries, and all I could say in that bakery was, I wish Gina were here. So they got tired of me. It's like, eh. And uh, so one of them, Buddy Harrison, he was a songwriter, really great songwriter. He wrote a song. He titled it Lack of Gina. And... Uh, <laughs> Every time from that point on when I said I wish Gina were here, the whole group went into the song. I wish I could remember the lyrics. And they nicely shut me down. They were just like tired of hearing about it. But that's what it means. You're consumed with them. So ask yourself, am I consumed with Jesus? Here's the second one. Uh, you, all, you always hang with them. When I first met Gina, I was a young adult pastor at the church I was going to. I, I was in Bible school and I did that part time. And um, I would bring her into meetings that she didn't belong in. And people would look at me and say, is she part of the team now? I said, she's part of my team. She didn't have to work. And I, I don't want to separate. You just don't want to be separated uh, from them. You want to hang with them. Here's number three. You do anything for them. 
And I love to watch young people date. I mean, I watch guys watch, you know, uh, wedding shows, and I know they don't want to, but they'll do anything for their love. My daughter Michelle's dating Steve, and she'll sit and watch football. She hates football, but she'll watch it with Steve, and uh, that's just what happens, guys. And here's, here's the next one. You change for them, and isn't that so true? I'll tell you a story. I'm going to be transparent, but it makes the point. Um, <clears throat> when we were first married, we were married just about four weeks. We're in a rented house, and we're having dinner in our kitchen, and, and I had this incredible toot that I was thinking, Gina's going to love this, you know. Now, you, you have to understand, I was raised with six brothers and no sisters. And if you tooted in our house, you got high fives for it. And all my friends, we did it, and then we had a grading system and everything, you know. So I'm just a dumb new married guy, and I have no idea. So I let it go, and I'm looking for, like, yeah, great job, Joe. And she gave me a look that I'll never forget. And she said, you wouldn't do that to your worst enemy. And I said, precisely, you, this is something you share with your friends. And uh, <coughs> I surely wouldn't with my enemy. <laughs> and uh, she looked at me and said, no, no. And, and guess what? I changed. I, I have never, ever done that again, ever. And uh, I learned, I learned. Here, here's the next one. You live for them. And just ask yourself as you see these is this going on between me and Jesus? Am I willing to change for him? Am I living for him? Will I do anything for him? And back in that trip, we were in our last country, the country of Hungary. And here we are in this country, and I, I hadn't bought Gina a gift. And I want to bring her something really unique because you live for them. And I'm just thinking, what can I get her? So I'm going to every store. I'm looking, what can I get her? What can I get her? What doesn't she have? What would be unique to Europe? And then I saw this dress, guys. Uh, this is the national dress of Hungary. And I thought, Gina doesn't have one of those. And uh, <laughs> so I bought it. And, and uh, <laughs> I brought it home, and I'll never forget giving it to her. My mother-in-law was in the room at the time. And, and I give her this dress, and she's being as kind and nice as a person can be. And she goes, that's nice. But I'm not seeing this excitement, you know. And then I look over, and my mother-in-law's covering her face, and she's laughing so loud. Her shoulders are moving. So then Gina sees her, and Gina breaks out into laughter. And then I just looked at both of them. I said, I, am I to assume you'll never wear this dress? And she said, no, I will never wear this dress, but I appreciate, I appreciate the thought. And, you know, I was just living for her. I was just a dumb guy still, but just living for her and just thinking, what can I do? What can I bring back? And that's what first love is like. That's what happens when we have this thing called first love. So here's, here's what I want you to walk out and remember today. Relationship trumps accomplishment. And this is really important for us to remember. Accomplishment is referring to working for God. It's, it's you know, referring to volunteering and, and doing all kinds of things for God, which are very important. I'm not bringing that down but our relationship has to trump it. It always has to be above it. Our relationship with God is the most important thing, and that's what step five is about, to make sure our relationship stays up here. And for some of you, uh, I had a conversation with one of, one of the guys here at the church yesterday. I was having coffee with him, and uh, we were talking about how different people accept Christ differently. And when I accepted Christ, man, I, I, you heard, I just told you what I was like. And, and some people do accept them, and they don't show that kind of emotion. And I know we all have different personalities, but I also think it, this is involved. You know, the Bible says, he that's forgiven of much loves much. 
And it seems like, you know, the worse you were before you accepted Christ, you're so thankful he forgave you and accepted you, you're just, you're just like more excited. But I, I, on the other hand, I want to make sure we all understand this. If you've never experienced that kind of first love for Christ, I'll show you what you can do today to bring that, and that, that level of fire for God up in your heart and bring it to a higher level because there's just simple things that we learn to do. And guess what? It's going to help all of our marriages and all of our relationships because we're going to learn just some incredible steps. But relationship must, in every relationship, marriage and God, it must trump accomplishments, working for God. It has to trump that. So let's read our steps. Uh, here's 2 Peter, and uh, uh, we'll read here in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, referring to four things he said that adding these steps would do for us above, make every effort to add to your faith, your Christianity, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance. That's our first four steps. And we found out if we add these first four steps, the Bible actually works in our life. If we put the Bible into practice, it works. Remember, knowledge is the Bible. That's the centerpiece. That's the foundation of our Christianity. Goodness prepares our hearts so the Bible can grow in there and not be choked. And then self-control is just doing the Bible, and perseverance is just standing on what you did until it comes to pass. And so the first four steps cause the Bible to work in our life. And, and if that's all we do... Uh, we'll fall away from God eventually because the Bible becomes self-centered. It's all about just what can God do for me. And, and, and he wants to do things for us. He wants us to work the scriptures. But that's why the next step is here. It says, and to perseverance, godliness, and the godliness, brotherly kindness, and the brotherly kindness, love. So we have three more steps. Today, we'll talk about godliness. And godliness is absolutely amazing. And when we add godliness... Man, it causes that relationship with God to go to another level. Oftentimes when we hear the word godliness, we think about, you know, being holy, living a holy life. But that's not what this word is referring to. Here's the definition of the word. Godliness just simply means to be fully devoted or to have a Godward attitude. That's all that it means. And it's referring to us keeping that relationship alive and bringing that relationship to a place to where relationship trumps accomplishments. I love what Jesus said here, Matthew chapter 23, 22 verses 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We could reverse it and say this, these two commandments are the foundation and every other law, everything God said is built on that particular foundation. Next week we'll talk about loving your neighbor. That's what the last two steps are about and we're going to have an incredible time dealing with that. But notice what he said about loving God. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that is a picture of where God wants us to come. Now, here's what I've noticed in my life, and I'm being transparent again. I first came in. You heard how I came into Christ. But over time, I began to lose that, and I just start working for God like a maniac. But as I worked for him, my accomplishments began to go higher than my relationship. 
And I found myself in a place where my heart was drifting from God. And I didn't commit any terrible sins. I didn't walk away from God. But I saw that I was beginning to. And that's happened several times in my Christian walk with God, where I saw myself going through the motions, but I lost that zeal. And that's what godliness is designed to do, to keep us loving God with every fiber of our being. And that's why he put that step in there. Because again, the Bible can be all about us, and we have to make sure it's not just all about us. Man, we were created to have a firsthand relationship with God. Now, there's a church in the Bible, the church at Ephesus. You can read this in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. This church at Ephesus, they were one of the seven churches that Jesus wrote to. He wrote seven letters, and five of the churches had to change things. Two of the churches, Jesus said, you're cool, everything's okay. He just exhorted them. But Ephesus is the first church, and Jesus dealt with them concerning one thing. But here's what amazes me about this church, about the Christians in it. If you looked at them from the outside, they were one of the most incredible churches that existed. We would want everything they have, but we'd also want to make sure the one thing they didn't have, we had going for us. But they were an incredible church. Take a look at some of what they had. Uh, They were working for the cause of Christ. That means people were volunteering in this church. People were laying their life down to serve. That's really, really good. Here's the second thing. They were enduring persecution. They were being persecuted by by non-Christians, and they didn't back down. They kept loving Jesus and living for Jesus. Here's the next one. They were reaching people. They were actually reaching people and bringing people to Christ. Here's the next one. They were living pure. Jesus told them they were doing all these things. So they were even living a pure and a holy life. Then he said this. They were staying true to the Bible. Uh, if, If false doctrine came along, they would stick with the scriptures. They would say no to false doctrine. So this is a really, really good church. But they were beginning to slip, like I did one or two times in my Christian walk. Their heart was waning and moving away. The fire, the flame for their love for God was coming down. Does that mean they were bad? No. Was I bad when that happened in my life? No. That's, we live in a body. This, this human body is constantly trying to pull us to the world and away from God. And so it happens with all of us. That's why God made it a step. Godliness. He said, add godliness. It's not that we're bad. But if this church didn't make a change, they would have been in trouble. And you know what? They made the change because we know they went on for over 100 years before this church disappeared. And that's really, really good. So here's the next thing. They were a church that seemed perfect with one flaw. And here's the flaw. They fell from their first love. That's what Jesus said to them. So what I had for Gina, they lost for, for God. What Tony had for Patsy, they lost. What I had for Jesus at 19, they lost. And some of you might be here today that you've lost that. Many of you haven't. Others, you may be waning like I have a couple times. Others, you might say, you know, I'm a Christian, but I never had it at all. Well, we'll show you how, how to get it. It's, it's not that hard. And so listen to what Jesus said to them, Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, the lampstands are referring to God's presence in the church and God's blessing in the church and God's presence in our life. And he's just telling them, if you don't love me fervently, that's, that's going to go. 
And so the church made the change and it stayed. And sometimes you can go into a church and you can just say, this church is dead, something's wrong here, or this Christian isn't alive. And you can tell that when you're around them, and that's what's happened, what he's saying here. Notice the terminology, it's really strong. You have forsaken your first love. This is really important. You know, the Bible says God is a jealous God. He wants us to love him more than any person that we know. Gene and I love each other. We have first love. We've kept it alive. We've worked on our marriage to keep it alive. But you know what? If she told me I'm going to walk away from God, I would tell her I can't. I, I love God more than my wife. She loves God more than me. It doesn't mean I love her less or she loves me less, but we love God the most. God has to be first. And, and, and these guys fell from that. I think verse 5 is interesting. Remember the height from which you have fallen. I mean, to God, this is the ultimate place, and he's saying, you guys fell down here. But look at what they were accomplishing. They were accomplishing so much. And Jesus is saying, relationship has to trump. It must trump achievement. It has to be up above it. And he says, you fell now, and it's down here. And, and then he says this, repent and do the things you did at first. I like to say it this way. Jesus told the Christians at Ephesus to remember, repent, and repeat. And that's what we have to do. So for some of you here, you know, you might have to say, how was it when I first accepted Jesus? I know I can remember back, I couldn't read my Bible enough. I can remember back, I had to be in church every time the doors were open. And how easy that is for any of us to lose. So he says, remember. Then he says, repent. Repent means to do a 180. Okay, Lord, I know where I was. I know what I had. Now I'm going to change. I'm going to go back to that. And he just says, repeat the things that you did. What did you do when you were in love with me? And, and what did you do? And I wanted to read the Bible. So he says, start reading your Bible for fun again. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And, and, and he says, start doing the things you did before. I, I like to look at it this way. We have a marriage enhancement connect group. And uh, th this, this group is really, really cool. And uh, we do a curriculum by Mark Driscoll. And Mark Driscoll talks about the three ways that a relationship can be. So relationships can be um, side by side, back to back, or face to face. And what we want in a relationship is we want to make sure face to face is always trumping side to side. Side to side will be in every relationship. So let's just go through these. Back to back, is, it means that if you're married, it means you're at conflict, you're fighting with each other. Most of us aren't doing that with God, but that happens in marriages. When the flame goes down, obviously people get into some really big struggles. But in, in most marriages, what you want is you want that face-to-face, -face, or in all marriages. Face-to-face -face is, you know, when you're sitting on the, uh, in the living room at night and you're just talking. You know, you take a car ride, just hang out with each other. Uh, you, you just spend time together, and it's just having that face-to-face -face relationship. Side-by-side -side is when you're doing life together, but it's not face-to-face. -face. And, it, you know, you're, you're working to make needs meet in the house. Um, you're taking the kids here and taking the kids there. Um, you're doing everything you need to do, but it's just side-by-side. -side. And that's why the divorce rate in America is the highest when kids leave the house. When the kids grow up and leave the house, that's when the di divorce rate really spikes. You know why? Husbands and wives look at each other and they say, I don't even know you, or I don't like you anymore. And, and their whole life was consumed on side by side, but they didn't keep the face 
by faith. And you know what? That can happen with God, where you work for him and you're volunteering, and all those things are important and necessary. We can do them both at the same time. But then, because you don't develop that face-to-face godliness, what happens then is your heart, that flame begins to go down, and pretty soon you're not close with God anymore, and it's so easy to walk away from him at that point, and that's why we see that divorce rate up. So how do we fix it? Man, we have to keep it alive. I remember when our kids were young, Gina and I would make sure we went on a date once a week, and we'd get babysitters. We'd, you know, uh, sometimes we use family members. We'd watch their kids. They'd watch ours, or we'd get, you know, pay a babysitter, but we went out on a date at least once a week, and we would just sit and have coffee somewhere and, and just sit and talk. Uh, that is so important. We used to make our kids go to bed by 8, 8 p.m. And, uh, you know, we just train them. You go to bed at 8 p.m. because we want to sit and just talk. We want to we be a couple and hang out with each other. And so we kept that alive. And if you keep it alive, that face-to-face, then that flame stays there. It's the same with God. So I came up with what I call just, you know, the three things we can do to, to keep our first love. So I want to go over those things with you. And uh, here's number one. Just simply spend time with Jesus by reading your Bible. And here's what I mean. Uh, you know, once we're Christians for a while, we'll get the read through the Bible in a year program. It's excellent. Or, you know, read through the New Testament in a year. Those are all great things, guys. I encourage you to keep doing those. But sometimes it can become a task. It's like, I've got to read five chapters. Then we read our five chapters. But we're not just reading just to learn about God and to be with Jesus. And I want to give you a recommendation because it's, it, it's something you want to want to do. I, I remember uh, I love Broadway shows. I'm not like most guys don't like them, but I love a Broadway musical. I really do. I'll go to any Broadway musical that's decent and just love to go. But I hate ballet shows. And um, I remember in our early marriage, Gina wanted me to go see The Nutcracker. And uh, man, that was hard. And... Uh, uh, and I don't know why, I just couldn't take it. And I'm sitting there reluctantly. I didn't want to be there, but it was a task. And, you know, af- after that, I just told Gina, I said, you know, you should go with your girlfriends. I think you'd have a lot of fun. And then when our girls got older, I said, make it a special time with our daughters. Um, but I did that reluctantly. And I think we can do that with the Bible to where it's just a job. It's just something we have to do, but our heart's not in it. So here's what I do, uh, you know, in, in a couple times a week, I have my Bible reading stuff and programs, but a couple times a week, I'll just open up the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and I'll just read some Gospels. And, you know, that's when Jesus lived, so that's where you get to hang out with him. You hear what he has to say. And, and that's one way we can develop and keep that relationship alive. I, I did that as a young Christian. I just wanted to see what did Jesus say, how did he do things, and that's just how we keep that relationship alive. Here's the second thing. Uh, Spend time with Jesus by worshiping. And um, this is really important. And we had great worship this morning. They did an incredible job. And um, I think, you know, in the Bible, in the book of Exodus, uh, Moses would would go in front of the Ark of the Covenant. That's a type of worship, a type of God's presence. God told him, I'll speak to you between the angelic beings. And, and God did. So Moses would go in and God would speak to him, but Moses would leave and Joshua, who became a leader, but at that time was his assistant, the Bible says Joshua would just sit in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. He was a worshiper. One of the greatest warriors in the Bible, one of the most manly men in the Bible was David. 
David was a worshiper. And guys, we can be macho. I don't think anyone doubts the fact that I'm a guy, especially after my toot story today. I mean, I'm a guy. And uh, I like guy things. And, and I'm just a guy. But I love worship. Worship isn't just for ladies. And worship, man, is, is something that men do. And when you worship, that's the time like you're sitting in the living room talking with your mate. Man, that's an incredible time to just worship God. And so a couple times a week, I rotate things. Like sometimes I do a lot of reading in the morning. Sometimes I worship. But I'll put on my favorite worship songs, and I'll worship for one or two songs. And then I just sit there. I just sit there. And the worship keeps going. And I just listen. And if God wants to say something to me, he can. If I want to say something and pray, I can. And it's just the time of hanging out with God. Uh, these are two things you can do, man. If you want to take that first love experience up to another level with God, read your Bible and then just learn to be a worshiper. I love this scripture. This is a great scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to all kinds of bad things, debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to Him, uh, God the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God's telling us that worship is something that should be in our everyday life. So guys, if you're sitting here, and it's something you've never done, I just want to encourage you. I remember the first time I just imagined I was standing before the throne of God and I worshiped. I, I, I'll never forget what happened in that moment. It was incredible. It's like time stood still. You know how in a worship service you can keep looking at your watch? That's what I used to do. And just like, when's this guy going to quit, man? This is long enough. And, and uh, another song, oh no, you know. And, and, and then uh, once you enter in, you know, and you learn to worship, it's the most amazing thing in the world. So I encourage you to practice that at home and, and also to do it here at church. And here's number three. It's pretty cool. Um, spend time with Jesus by thinking about him. And, and here's what I mean. Uh, Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Now, I want you to understand, that's why I call this happy feet. Uh, joy is different than happiness. Happiness is a result of circumstances. Joy you can have in the worst of circumstances. But here's where joy comes from. You rejoice in the Lord. And what that means is you think about what he's done for you. Your rejoicing is not over your life. Man, that's happiness. And thank God when we can, thank God when we have happy things happen. But you know what? You can have no happy things happening and, and look like you're happy or have joy in your heart because you're focusing and thinking about, man, Jesus forgave me of all my sins. Man, Jesus made me blameless and holy in God's sight. Jesus sat me up in heavenly places with him. Heaven's my future destination. And so take some time during the, the day and just say, rejoice. And did you notice, take a look at this. Did you notice he told us to rejoice in the Lord? Again, I say rejoice, why? Because that's not the natural thing we're gonna do. What are we gonna do? We're, we're gonna think about all of our problems. And so he says, hey, make a conscious effort to rejoice and to think about what God's done for you. And in doing that, you're getting to know God better. That's godliness. And you're also, at the same time, taking your joy level up. You're taking that flame and turning it up on high. I, I trust that I made some sense. Every one of us, we're in a different place. And here's my encouragement to you today. 
hey, if, if your relationship with your mate needs work on, begin to add some of these steps. But also your relationship with God, man, that's so important. And if you, you say, man, I remember, Pastor Joe, when I used to love to read my Bible, but I don't, make a 180, man, and just begin to do what you used to do back then. And you'll see joy come. You'll see all kinds of things begin to happen. But remember, relationship trumps accomplishment. Guys, we have an incredible church. You guys volunteer. You, you, you give. You're awesome. Thank you so much. But let's make sure none of us slip in our relationship. Let's keep adding godliness. Let's pray. Father, I've done my best to teach an incredible part of the Bible. And I know while I read scriptures and I talk, Lord, and I tell some stories that you're speaking to hearts. I ask you, Lord, to help all of us remember what we heard today. Lord, I, I'm, I'm in front of a bunch of people that add godliness. They understand it. Father, there might be some in here that have forgot, others that maybe never walked in this. And I thank you today that all of us can just simply do these incredible, simple things and keep adding godliness. And Lord, we thank you that you've designed us to have a friendship and a close relationship with you. Thank you, Lord God. Now, church, we can keep in an attitude of prayer. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's stay connected. And if you're here today and you're not sure if you're forever, I just want to take a moment with you. You know, you heard me teach something for Christians, but I don't know, if, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd say, this is pretty cool. I can have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And the first step is add to your faith. You have to become a Christian. And the way we become a Christian is by accepting Christ. And if you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a day in my life where I made a commitment to Christ, but I'm ready to do it today. I'd like to pray with you. I call this making it real, making it personal. And it's when we from our hearts say, Jesus, I believe you're the only way, and I make a decision to follow you today. It's not about a rote prayer in church. That's good. But it's about that in your heart saying, Jesus, I accept you. I want to follow you. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a time when I did that, but I believe in Jesus, and I'm ready to do it today. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, help us pray. Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent, and this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe, and I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.